Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Brian Bliven, CIO at University of Missouri Healthcare. In this segment, Bliven talks about the unique partnership his organization has with Cerner, how they're working to push the boundaries of development, and why they had to fail before successfully attesting to MU2. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure. To give our readers and listeners uh, kind of the lay of the land, can you tell us a little bit about University of Missouri Healthcare, kind of what you have in the way of hospitals and clinics, uh, things like that? Sure. We're academic medical center in the middle of the state of Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. We have four hospitals here in Columbia and around 55 clinic locations uh, here in Columbia and spread throughout mid-Missouri. And we have around 500 physicians with approximately 400 residents and around 5,000 staff members. From a volume standpoint, we do around 600,000 ambulatory visits a year. Okay. And then you're part of the, the University of Missouri Health System. How does that work exactly? Sure. The University of Missouri Health System is comprised of MU Healthcare, which is hospitals and clinics, the School of Medicine, the School of Nursing, and the School of Health Professions, and that is part of the Columbia campus of the University of Missouri system um, throughout the state of Missouri. Okay. One of the things I wanted to just kind of quickly get into, or at least give, give a little information on, is um, uh, the Tiger Institute and, and your role with that and kind of how that uh, uh, plays into your role of CIO at MU Health? Sure. Um, the Tiger Institute is a partnership with Cerner Corporation and the university at the system level, and it was founded to drive innovation in healthcare delivery and in connecting healthcare providers throughout the state of Missouri. Um, my role is Chief Information Office of, Officer of MU Healthcare and Executive Director of the Tiger Institute. So it's really a dual role. Um, the Tiger Institute is formed as really a third entity between Cerner and the university and is invested in by both parties. Uh, we actually house the IT functions of MU Healthcare in the Tiger Institute. Um, so all of the staff members that were part of the university system prior and their IT staff moved into the Tiger Institute once it was formed. So the IT function is one portion of it. Um, we also have an HIE development arm. Uh, we have two innovation groups as part of uh, the institute um, that work on intellectual property and, and have an engineering team uh, associated with them, as well as research and education. So it was founded in 2009 and um, was really a, a partnership to see what Cerner and the university could do together that they couldn't do separately. Uh, the university contributes subject matter experts, uh, investment into the partnership with uh, time and resources, um, not just really from the School of Medicine and hospitals and clinics, but really it's at the system level. So we work with College of Engineering and other schools um, to help us broaden out the expertise that's available to the Tiger Institute. All right, that, that's an interesting thing. And uh, as far as having those house IT functions uh, in, in Tiger, um, is that something that you feel kind of benefits uh, the three different enti entities? 
Uh, yeah, I think the, the unique thing about it is that separate entity that is responsible. So the Tiger Institute is governed by a board of governors that are made up of executives from the university system and Cerner. Um, the chair of the board of governors is Dr. Hal Williamson, who is the executive vice chancellor of the health system. And uh, Jeff Townsend from Cerner is the chief of staff from Cerner is on the executive board as well. Uh, that board governs the investments into the into the partnership and really creates accountability to both organizations. So figuring out the alignment of, of where we can improve together and then holding this entity accountable through governance has been really beneficial in keeping focus on um, tasks that the management board would like to see uh, executed. Yeah, I think that helps us to keep really a, a higher level vision on, on what we're trying to um, move forward with so we don't either get tied in with just doing the day-to-day -day IT operations management or just trying to drive for installing Cerner-specific solutions. It really forces us to keep kind of a broader vision on where do we need to be going instead of focusing on just the short term. Right. Yeah, that, that's a really uh, interesting model. Um, now, as far as the, uh, the clinical application environment in the hospitals, um, are you using Cerner? We're using Cerner for our EMR. We have GE centricity for reg, sketch, and revenue cycle. Okay. And the university physicians, uh, the group practice, uh, what are they using? They use uh, Cerner for their electronic medical record, and they use uh, as well GE for reg and sketch and uh, revenue cycle. Now, as so we use one instance of the Cerner EMR cross um, practices, so inpatient and outpatient, it's the same instance, um, just developed with different functionality for the outpatient ambulatory setting as opposed to the inpatient side. Right. But it's one record. Now, as far as having that, that relationship with Cerner, is it something where you have that opportunity to uh, either be a beta site for products or, or uh, you know, get involved in any kind of development or giving feedback on products? Absolutely. That's one of the, the core tenets of the partnership. We normally are an early adopter of functionality. We focus on pushing the boundaries such as early adoption of meaningful use code. Um, each release that Cerner puts out, we are in some form of testing partner. Um, we, as I mentioned, we have development teams here. Uh, we have an extension of Cerner's engineering group here that focuses on development, uh, and working with the University of Missouri clinicians and staff and that will be available to all Cerner clients throughout the work done here. So that's the goal to be released broadly. And then we have really an innovation group that's coming up with new ideas uh, that we can market together. Um, but we do have then input into the engineering teams and Cerner's world headquarters uh, projects as well because we're taking the code early and we're one of the first uh, client sites that would be working through implementing new functionality. So we naturally are able to provide feedback, and that's one of the things that we've built into our partnership is that closed feedback loop to Cerner for the engineering feedback. Right. I imagine there have been instances where the feedback hasn't always been positive or, or you know, people have had to say, listen, this is not working for us. I mean, has that happened? 
Well, every time that we take new code, it's, it's understood that we're going to be testing it. And yeah. what it's forced us to really do is build processes that allow us to be nimble and agile around implementing code and testing it. So it's really critical if we're going to be taking code on a regular basis that we have good processes, good clinician, staff, operational involvement in helping us validate the code, test the functionality, and provide the feedback. Um, and we've worked with, with Cerner on, before we move anything to production, we'll, we'll do several rounds of uh, feedback. So we are, we are providing kind of constant feedback. We try to, I think one of the keys on being able to do something like that is to have that quick feedback loop because you're right, when you start out with something, we expect that there's going to be work to be done on it. And that's right. important for us to get that feedback and then get the response that, yes, we're working on this, or here's the intent of the design. So we're having those conversations early on, um, potentially, depending on the scope of, of what we're working on, months to weeks before we would ever intend to actually use it in our production environments. So that, that process on um, quick turnaround and feedback is, is crucial to it. And I think that's what's changed too with the Tiger Institute is there's a focus on this development of the leadership in the health system uh, wants to use technology as a lever moving forward and its strategy feels it's very vital. And this creates that organizational focus of we are going to move forward if we're not satisfied with our current state, then we recognize that change is a part of, of modifying that. Um, so we plan it as best we can. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts. We do quite a lot of ongoing projects with the code, so um, we have to manage it very closely. And that's, that's something that we're constantly evaluating is, is how much change can we take on at once. Yeah, that, that's such a big theme that we hear uh, just as far as you know, change management and uh, kind of uh, knowing how much change can be absorbed at once. And I imagine that's something that can be tricky when you are you know, a fast-moving organization. And it's, it's something that has changed with the advent, really, of the partnership. There was, I think when the Tiger Institute was formed in 2009, the Cerner system hadn't had a major update in a couple of years. And we're updating code on, a, on an extremely regular basis right now. So trying to take less of a big jump and taking a, a great deal of new code and functionality at once to really smaller amounts on a very regular basis. And that's helped us to break apart the change and focus where areas where we're working on and getting the new code instead of having to basically focus on the entire system and every workflow that we have to make a very large jump in code. So that it's kind of changed the, the dynamic on how we look at loading code and what it takes to do an upgrade um, as we've, we've just had to build processes to do it on a more regular basis. Great. Okay. So um, let, let's talk about uh, Meaningful Use Stage 2. You guys were obviously on the early end of that. Um, what do you think uh, helped, helped you to be able to attest to that um, you know, in such a quick, well, not quick manner, but be one of the early ones to attest to that? Sure. It, it was really planning it out in advance. And we actually tried the quarter before, and we didn't hit the numbers. Um, so we ended up attesting Q1 of 2014 in the calendar year. And, but we had attempted, as I mentioned the quarter before, we didn't hit a couple of measures on the patient portal, view, download, and transmit. Um, we didn't hit the sharing transition of care number. So we had a, lot, a great deal of learning. We spent really that first quarter 
uh, of attempts trying to figure out ways to help meet those metrics. Uh, we knew early on that we were going to have trouble doing it. We decided to keep our processes in place and try to tweak them and get as close as we can. And we had planned if we were backing into ICD-10 when we wanted really on the hospital side. At that time, of course, we were aiming at a 2014 October 1 date for ICD-10, and we had backed into the time we wanted to leave ourselves uh, from a hospital side and then eligible provider side um, before we would get to ICD-10. So we thought it was very important for us at the time to be one of the early adopters. And it definitely wasn't without pain. Um, we, uh, we definitely felt that stage two was a lot different than stage one. Um, it required us working with our partners in the region, and many of them did not have direct technology, so we had to work with them to be able to get that for our transition of care. We had to put processes in place on the hospital side for adoption of our patient portal and making sure that our patients were educated on how to message their providers so that we could reach some of those uh, thresholds. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.